Good morning. It is another Monday and another week, and I'd like to welcome you to the podcast, Insanity, a Peace of Mind. I am your host, Stephanie. This week, I am feeling particularly opinionated. I have a lot of personal opinions, and they are all podcast-worthy, and I'm pretty sure I will get to them eventually. I have a few top concerns, and I actually believe that these are at the heart of a national crisis in human relationships and emotional wellness. These are things I see over and over again in the news, social media, conversations with my kids, conversations with people I know, certainly my clients are suffering. And I think they all need to be addressed and not necessarily in this order, but this is what I think they are. A lack of self-awareness, little to no understanding of mindfulness or present time and space awareness, lack of critical thinking skills, values incongruence, and a lack of empathy. This particular podcast will be about self-awareness. First off, internal self-awareness is the ability to see yourself clearly and objectively through reflection and introspection. It means having a clear perception of your personality, including your strengths, your weaknesses, thoughts, beliefs, motivation, values, and emotions. External self-awareness allows you to understand other people, how they perceive you and your attitude and responses to them in any given moment. Research actually shows that there is no relationship between external and internal self-awareness, meaning you can have one without the other. In 2017, organizational psychologist Tasha Urich wrote a book called Insight. In it, she talks about self-awareness. Based on surveys, she found that 95% of people think they are self-aware. When in reality, the surveys show that actually 10 to 15% of people surveyed actually are self-aware. This statistic amuses me to no end because, again, self-awareness is, for me, kind of a bee in my bonnet. So if you read this or hear this statistic, I read the statistic, but if you hear this statistic and think that you might be someone in the 10 to 15% of people who are self-aware, now that's probably a normal reaction. If you hear this statistic and are certain you are one of the 10 to 15% of self-aware people, you probably aren't. If you are someone who heard the statistic and thinks that you are likely someone in the 85 to 90% of people who are not as self-aware as you think you are, then you're probably right. And Tasha Urich goes on to describe three reasons for the misapprehension of self-awareness in people. She thinks or states 
that we naturally have blind spots about ourselves. She also thinks that we operate on autopilot and are rarely aware of how we act or why we act that way. The third one, she says, is because we are happier when we see ourselves more positively. She refers to this as the cult of self and credits this gem to the self-absorption that comes a great deal uh, as a result of increased social media use. Self-awareness goes hand in hand with emotional intelligence, which is the ability to identify and manage both your emotions and the emotions of the people around you. This happens when you can name emotions and use them to problem solve and think. It is nice also if you can help the people around you to do the same thing. The reason emotional intelligence is important to self-awareness is because being conscious of emotional states and being able to name them. Have you ever heard the phrase, name it to tame it? Uh, it's used a lot with kids in an effort to help them name their emotion so they can tame and control and regulate how they act as a result of the way they feel. Okay, this concept goes for adults as well. If you can name your emotional states, especially the negative ones, you can better manage those emotional states and feelings. And then you can behave according to the recognition and the management. This act increases self-confidence and it gives people or a person a more realistic assessment of themselves. So at this point, you should be asking yourself a few questions. The first being, am I self-aware? What does self-awareness look like? Is there anyone in my life who could help me see? And perhaps what are some self-awareness skills and how do I go about learning these skills? So let's start with a few scenarios that might indicate you have some work to do and that you are probably lacking some self-awareness. And I'm pretty sure that there are elements of these that will resonate with everybody. But again, given this is a podcast about self-awareness, be honest when you're listening to this and really see how and where this plays out in your life. Okay. Number one is that you never believe anything is your fault. So none of us likes to feel like we're being attacked or criticized. However, when we regularly respond to feedback with excuses or an effort to frame it in some justified context, we are deflecting because we do not want to feel the negative emotions associated with anything less than a positive assessment about who we are or what we did or how we performed on a project or whatever else we've got going on. The self-awareness element or aspect of this defect would be to recognize this about yourself then work to see things differently. 
Perfect people don't exist. So it is likely that we are all making loads of mistakes or offending dozens of people. If we can find someone, or if we have someone who cares enough about us to give feedback, we should be grateful and take the information as constructive, even if it doesn't feel constructive, accept responsibility, if necessary, apologize, and then say thank you. Someone just helped you see yourself a bit more clearly. Number two, do you find yourself getting defensive or being defensive all the time? If you are the kind of person who is offended and upset by any kind of feedback, then your negative emotions take over and you start to spiral. And what's up with that? That is not healthy, it's not productive, and frankly, I think it's something that adults should be way past. Being able to give and take feedback is a skill, which is too big a topic for this podcast. So check in with yourself, figure out why you react so defensively, and then sit with it and be okay with the uncomfortable feelings. The self-awareness part of this is to recognize that critiques are part of life. Most often when you're given feedback or a critique, which we can also call criticism, but for some reason we think critique sounds better, Um, they're given to us to help us improve or to grow in some way. It can be related to relationships. It can be related to employment. It can be related to school or any effort that you're putting somewhere. It's not always personal. The person giving you feedback is not trying to attack you. They're not trying to hurt you. Painful and anxious feelings often accompany the receipt of criticism. Even if the criticism is expected or you are asking for it, sometimes the negative part of that can be very, very emotionally dissatisfying. Pay attention to the next time you're provided some type of assessment, feedback, or critique. What's going on with how you are feeling? And most importantly, why are you feeling that way? What does it take you back to? Where are you feeling it in your body? Is it reminding you of a teacher you hated? There are a lot of reasons we feel certain ways, um, especially when we are being given feedback or criticism. Being self-aware gives you the opportunity to track back where and why. Okay, number three, you say things you don't mean. So here's the deal. Vulnerability is scary. We want people to read our minds and just know when we're feeling overwhelmed, incapable, hurt, sad, or frustrated. This way, we don't have to say it out loud. So when we're asked, it's easier to answer questions with nothing. Everything's okay. I'm fine. Don't worry about it. In an effort to appear capable, confident, or problem-free, we avoid the truth so as to avoid confrontation and deflect how we are really feeling. This is actually a form of passive aggressive behavior, and it's very hard for others to predict or manage. 
self-awareness would mean that you know people are not mind readers and you don't expect them to be. You also commit to vulnerability in your relationships in all areas of your life, at least to some degree. As tempting as it may be to keep all your issues inside, it is much better to acknowledge them, take a breath before responding, and then do so in a way to communicate what you need without being evasive, dishonest, passive, aggressive, or hurtful. Number four, you cannot laugh at yourself. Anytime you can't laugh at yourself, it's a form of deflection because you can't sit with the uncomfortable emotions. I know, sometimes it is downright embarrassing. We've all been there. The We're the brunt of the office joke or we're the one, the only one who did it wrong. I get it. Having said that, however, very little is gained by lashing out or creating more discomfort by digging into the anger or pouting or getting up and stomping out of the room or yelling something embarrassing back at the people who are laughing at you. Self-awareness requires you to find some space, admit to the humiliation, admit that you are embarrassed, admit that you did mess up, and then hopefully you can sit in a room with people who care about you, who know you and love you, and laugh with them. Okay, number five, you think you are a good listener. I have already done a podcast on this topic, and if you haven't listened, you might want to, because there's a lot of really good information. It is called Hearing is Not Listening. And in the case of self-awareness, what you want to do is ask yourself, how am I a good listener? Or you could ask the flip side, how am I a bad listener? But the way you're going to figure this out is, do you listen as openly to negative comments as you do positive ones? Do you seek out criticism in an effort to improve? Or do you only look for praise? Are you the kind of person who loses all your self-worth because of the unfavorable review of your work? Or are you the one who inflates your sense of self because of compliments on a job well done? Self-awareness is the ability to listen to instead of listening for. Take into account everything said by everyone, not just the compliments and not just the insults. And then put it all together, sift through it, and figure out where you need to pay more attention to how you feel and why, where you get yourself your self-worth from, and how you can increase awareness to improve on whatever needs to be improved upon. After I finished one through five and was looking over it, I realized that everything there can be extrapolated and overlaid on just about every conflict going on between just about everyone in our highly charged, divisive, polarized, polarized society. And if we don't step back and gain some perspective, we're doomed. 
we need to start taking responsibility. We need to stop being so defensive. We need to stop saying things we don't mean and be more open and vulnerable. And we definitely need to laugh at ourselves more and take ourselves less seriously. And since I'm pretty sure nobody listens to anybody about anything, we need to be better listeners. So back to self-awareness, off my soapbox. It's probably time to talk about how to cultivate this elusive trait. First things first, consider yourself one of the people who is in the 85 to 90 percent category of people who are not self-aware. Okay, pretend you have little to no self-awareness. This is actually something I have been working on in my family for a really long time. Even before I knew what it was or had a name for it or realized that there were entire mental health interventions, you know, built and created around self-awareness theory, I was trying to teach my kids uh, in a very simple way, this concept. So generally speaking, I often told my kids that what they did mattered less than why they did it. So if you think about that, as human beings, we are on autopilot. We float through our days with very little consciousness of what we do or why, because life is a lot easier when we don't have to think about things like brushing our teeth, driving to work, or cleaning the kitchen. These are things that we can do literally never having given a single thought to a single part of it. The problem is, is that there is danger when we don't notice some more significant behaviors, like the ones that demonstrate changing values, or the ones that are reactions to negative emotions because of difficult or traumatic experiences. We have lazy minds. Our brains don't actually like to work. And so we form blueprints of emotional responses and reactions. As we unconsciously draw on those blueprints, because we don't want to be aware of our hurt or our incongruence or our trauma responses. They become habits. And ta-da, we have no self-awareness. Self-awareness means being conscious of this conditioning, this blueprinting of our automatic responses, so we can have more control over our emotional responses especially the ones that might not be so healthy or the ones that hurt us. Okay, so here's a pretty significant list of ways to cultivate mindfulness, things you can actually do. And I'm going to list, I'm going to number them again because it helps me keep track of them. Number one, pay attention to what bothers you in other people because this is likely a mirror issue. Meaning, if you don't like it in them, it's probably because it's something you also do. So our efforts to avoid the truth about ourselves creates incongruence and then gets reflected back to us by someone else. So easy peasy. If you see something in somebody else that offends you, bothers you, triggers you, 
step back and see if it's somewhere in you. Number two, mindfulness. Yes, I sound like a broken record and I'm going to continue to sound like a broken record because mindfulness, as I'm doing these podcasts and mindfulness keeps coming up, I'm going to say it. Mindfulness has changed my life. Seriously, changed my life. So mindfulness and self-awareness. Mindfulness meditation is one of the best ways to learn more about how our thoughts work. Practice watching and observing them without attaching to them or thinking about them. And you will begin to realize a powerful idea. You are not your thoughts. A thought is something that comes in and it's something that goes out. Most of our thoughts are automatic. We have very few new, interesting, or creative thoughts in any given day. Okay? We actually think too much because we spend a lot of time thinking about our thoughts, which ironically is thinking about nothing. Our brain, much like any other organ, the liver filters, the heart beats blood. Um, it has a job and the brain's job is to think. And so it does. And we lack self-awareness because we think too much and lost in our thoughts. We assume every thought is worth engaging in thereby thinking about our thoughts. Regular mindful pra mindfulness practice opens our eyes to see that there are more important things than our thoughts. And again, a topic way too big for this podcast, but as you can plainly see, they overlap and keep creeping in little by little. Okay, number three, read and try and read good fiction. Uh, good fiction teaches the reader how to see people with compassion because it hones our powers of observation and then we might see the character's emotions, desires, and actions in relationship to their life experiences. Basically, it's like reading about someone's life. And if it's well-written fiction, good character development, a story with a you know, beginning, middle, and an end, some sort of morality tale or anything like that, this is one of the best places to actually experience, kind of virtually, someone else's self-awareness or lack of self-awareness. Okay, number four, identify cognitive distortions, which are wrong-headed thoughts and beliefs that warp how we see things, other people, situations, and ourselves. These are bad habits, just like any other bad habit, and we need to root them out. So you might have a habit of criticizing every single person on the road, every time they do anything you find slightly annoying. This script allows you to externalize and then never see any possible way that you might be a bad driver, might have contributed to the incident, or might be just as annoying for someone else on the road. A major lack of our self-awareness is an inaccurate, well, a major source of our lack of self-awareness are inaccurate mental habits and negative self-talk. If we can learn to identify these patterns of inaccurate thinking, we can become more self-aware. And then we feel better because we're not stuck in this negative cognitive distortion, having told a story that really isn't true. 
Number five is treat yourself to a day just for yourself. I find this one very interesting. It's important from time to time to break out of our normal routines because this goes back to that autopilot thing. We just go round and round and round, regurgitating pretty much the same life every day. So breaking out of those normal living patterns, coming up for some air, you can choose to do something new on any given day, visit a new place in your town, go see someone you haven't seen for a while, make a phone call to an old friend and block out some time to talk, read one of those good fiction books talked about earlier, or maybe you just need to take a 100% down day. Do what feels right for you on this day and remind yourself there is no time, there's no clock, you're not waiting for something or accomplishing something and you are stepping out of the non-stop scheduled minute-to-minute rat race that you might be living in. Do something that you enjoy on your day. So one of the reasons I found this one really interesting is because I was talking to a new client the other day and when I asked what they liked to do for fun what what you know what do you like to do for fun he said I have no idea so in exploring this just for a few minutes it was true he did a lot of what he thought he was supposed to do he did a lot of what he knew was good for him and he actually had no idea what he liked to do. And I can sadly relate to this. I might know what I do, but I'm not sure I know what I like to do. Which is only partially true because I have a lot of things that I know I like to do. But anyway, an interesting thing to reflect on, especially for a burgeoning person trying to, uh, a burgeoning self-aware person trying to gain some insight. Okay, number six, ask for feedback and then take it well. This is really hard. Um, How often do you deliberately seek out feedback about yourself? Good feedback is one of the fastest and most effective ways to grow and improve ourselves. Good feedback does does not mean it is positive feedback. It just means that it's helpful and productive. One of my daughters provided an in-service meeting at one of her job trainings on how to give and receive feedback. This is a huge issue in um, mental health, but especially in uh, residential mental health, wilderness therapy, a place where you're confined as groups for long periods of time. It's a pretty substantial thing and we should all learn how to give and take feedback And again, it's a much broader and bigger topic for this podcast, but remember that someone other than you is uniquely positioned to notice your strengths and your weaknesses and help you to see them. So we should ask. So how do we do this and who should we ask and what's the best way to go about this, you would like to know? Well, first of all, choose a solid relationship, okay? Uh, Your parent, a spouse, your best friend, someone that you have enough relationship credit 
that they'll that they would be willing to point out something negative. This is also very interesting because if you have people who are close to you and they are afraid to point out your negative um, traits or your negative qualities, that alone is a big moment of self-awareness. Why on earth would they be afraid to tell you what's wrong with you? Okay, the next thing is, is go ahead and start small. You can ask about something that's not too big or too threatening or too emotionally discombobulating. This allows confidence to be built up between the two of you so that you know you can ask and they know they can tell and nobody is going to lose a relationship over it. So you might ask them about your driving or your housekeeping, or you may have written a poem or a short story or something, and you're asking for feedback. If they can start out small and you can take criticism and feedback well, then perhaps where the issues are bigger, they'll have more confidence and they'd be willing to be more honest with you. Okay, the last one is you need to take the criticism well and avoid defensiveness at all costs. You are not going to feel great about negative feedback, even if you asked for it. Okay, so try your best simply to acknowledge the feedback, thank them for giving it, and explain to them that you are going to work on it. Science tells us that human beings are not good at self-awareness, hence the statistics mentioned a couple times previously. 95% of people think they have good self-awareness. Really, only 10 to 15% do. To me, that statistic makes perfect sense. I mentioned that at dinner tonight and literally everybody laughed. Okay, so we're not good at it. And we're not good at it despite the incredible benefits that it has for all aspects of our life. For example, it can make us more productive, boost our self-confidence and self-development. It improves our self-control. It makes us more creative and increases our ability to make decisions. It increases empathy and compassion and helps clarify our values, which as you know, is another one of my big issues. I think if we had better values clarification, that too would lead to a better world. Self-awareness and self-acceptance also lead to improvements in emotional intelligence. So a quick word about self-awareness and um, overcompensating, okay? Too much self-awareness can be a bad thing because if you are the type of person who tends to be overly critical of yourself, then an extreme investment in self-awareness only tends to exacerbate your negative thinking. So it's a balance and you need to be conscientious of your tendencies and not overanalyze in the negative or critical way the things that you are becoming aware of, okay? So don't, don't be overwrought. Don't be overcritical. This is just about acknowledging why you do things. What makes you tick? What 
your strengths and weaknesses really are and being honest about them. Okay, so to finish up, I happen to think if more people were awake and if more people were aware, the world, without a doubt, would be a better place. Bill Hybels said, self-awareness allows you to self-correct. A self-correcting population would be a glorious thing. Self-awareness to the extent that I practice it and have taught my family and we practice it together in our relationships and with our people has been a tremendous gift in our lives. I can see its fruits all around in our little tribe. But make no mistake, we work hard because we believe in the value of self-correction. It's worth it. I suggest you begin forthwith. Check the show notes for resources because I've got some good ones. Thanks for joining me and have a great week. 